0: one of the hallmarks i think of of our church this church is uh there is uh desire and capacity to work that's actually one of the hallmarks of america america has a desire and capacity to work if you take a look at any study that compares the number of days that we work relative to other countries we're always off the charts and we're always off the charts too as far as the number of vacation days that we leave on the table and don't take. And, and not, that isn't entirely good, by the way. But we do have this desire to work. And that is how things tend to get done. And for Nehemiah, one of the things that he had going for him was there was a group of people that came around to rebuild these walls that had that same desire. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, Andrea read it earlier. It says this, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. In order for visions to get done, you have to have a mind to work. There has to be the desire and the capacity to stress yourself, stretch yourself, uh, to push yourself to go beyond. Now, having said that, a lot of us feel pretty good because we put in long days and we work and we're diligent with things. But some of us, a lot of us are going to be very uncomfortable in here today because I'm going to poke you in the chest because I believe... That there are things that God wants to be about that you're not doing because of fears, because of uncertainties. And uh, I think God is going to probe you a little bit on this, and I'm excited for this to happen for you. How many of us are going to watch tonight? The uh, closing ceremonies for the Olympics. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, a few of us, you know, it's good. I mean, how, how did I ever function before the Olympics were on television? I mean, it's like standard nightly entertainment. It's so great. Now, I miss the opening ceremonies, uh, and I feel awful because of it, because people told me it was incredible, and then I've seen the little snippets. I was excited to watch it tonight, but I realized I have a work commitment, so I can't see it tonight, but I'm going to tape it. It's going to be great. But people are talking about what? more often than anything in the Olympics. What are the, what's the thing that people are talking about? Gymnastics. There it is over there, right there. Gymnastics. And the whole controversy over whether or not the Chinese gymnasts hit the minimum age of 16 or not. Because, you know, by Olympic rules they've got to be like at least 16. Now, I don't know why you would think those girls aren't 16. Why would you, why would you assume that those girls are 8? I don't understand why you would... Why you would uh, think that. I mean, there's all kinds of accusations that the Chinese government has uh, issued fraudulent passports and birth certificates. And I've kind of been following this not knowing really what the big deal is. I mean, Nadia got all of her gold medals when she was 14. What's, you know, what's the big deal? On top of that, even if these girls are 12, is there really any difference in ability between a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old? I mean, I would think a 16-year-old doesn't have any less flexibility or alacrity than a 12-year-old. What, what is the, alacrity, that's a big word for you. What, what, what is the, what's the big deal? I haven't understood it until I read in the National, or National Enquirer, the Cincinnati Enquirer yesterday morning. (laughs) Big difference, big difference. The Cincinnati Inquirer yesterday morning, this uh, quote in a paragraph said this, and the reason the Chinese might have to tell a fib, simple. Young girls make perfect gymnasts with their bodies and minds uncluttered with the fear of falling and failing. Uncluttered with the fear of falling and failing. This says that the longer you do gymnastics, the more you fall. The more double back gainers you do, the more that you mess up and you hurt yourself on. And so it's not the physical ability that a 12 year old is better than a 16 year old, it's so much as the mental ability of not having as many fears. I mean, those of us in here, I mean, the older we are, the more fearful we tend to get. Why is that? It's because the more bumps and bruises we've accumulated, the more failures that we've had, the more failed businesses, the more bankruptcies, the more dates that have ripped our hearts out, the more, the more divorces, the more, the more physical problems, the, the, whatever, the more friends that gossip on us so we don't want to have other friendships. Just the longer you go in life, the more these bumps and bruises accumulate. And so what happens is we get more and more fearful. We don't want to take risks. We don't want to step out because we don't want to hit our head like we did last time. Four things. Number one, three things. Uh, fear keeps us from feeling. Fear keeps us from feeling. John Mark said he was emotionally struck by the tragedy, travesty in um, in New Orleans, and we talked last week about how emotion triggers vision. Well, it's really a difficult thing to get vision where your, when your fears keep everything at a distance and therefore keeps you from feeling and empathizing with people because you don't want to get too close. You don't want to, you don't want to fear. You don't want to fail. Fear keeps us from feeling. We don't feel the way we really should. I saw this with new perspective when I was over on a family mission trip in Nicaragua this past summer with another organization. And it's crazy when you go to other countries how they behave themselves. It's just crazy. I mean, they, they don't like do seat belts all the time. It's just very strange, right? Like, not only did, were we not having seat belts, we didn't have seats would be transported from one place to another and we would be standing on this uh flatbed truck with these bars that went over and you would be standing going 60 miles an hour or so holding these bars as you're going down the road and there's about 30 of us in there for a half an hour my my circulation kept getting cut off so i have to keep you know changing my hands i'm just thinking when is a cop going to pull us over this son- certainly this should be should be illegal wasn't illegal at all we asked one of the guys who worked for the organization how often has somebody fallen out of a truck he said never never Never. Amazing, amazing. We would, I would never do that. In fact, I found myself not only doing that, but one day we took time off and climbed a a very high height in Central America. And we had to actually take a a four-wheel drive vehicle to get to the base of this volcano. And you needed four-wheel drive. It wasn't because it was a dirt path. It was barely a path. Huge volcanic boulders. Uh, parts of the road that had fallen off. And I'm in the back of a Toyota little pickup truck. There's about 10 of us, and we're just kind of holding on to this thing, going over bumps at 30 miles an hour. It was, it was very, very, very scary. And on the way back, it started to rain. Once we got done with the hike, it started to rain. And I'm thinking to myself, well, we're not gonna go in that truck in the rain, are we? I mean, that's actually, you can't get, we can't get wet, can we? as if rain is hydrochloric acid. Oh no, rain. Well, what do you know? We did a torrential downpour. People were standing in the back of the truck going so fast, the rain coming down so hard. They had to like hold their, their arm like this to keep the, the rain from hitting them in the face. We're in the, we're in the back of this thing. People are in paint pockets in the middle of this little pickup truck. I'm holding onto the rails of the gate. I got people holding me on my knees so that when I fall out, they will grab me. And then if they fall, I'm also holding on to them as best I can. If they fall out the other side, there's the whole body mass holding them. We're like one big amoeba going down this road. So this is, this is crazy. We got to the end of it. I was drenched, so totally soaked to the bone. Now, here's a question for you. When's the last time you were entirely wet and it wasn't because you took a shower or went into a pool? Can you remember a time when you were completely wet, drenched through and through? One of the... uh, the, the staff members of this organization led us do a little devotional at night. And uh, she's from America and she said, you know, in America, I realize the difference in an America and being here is in America, I'm conditioned not to feel. So where else am I ever going to sweat? Where else am I ever gonna have rain just drench me to the core? And you start thinking about it. Our whole society is, is geared to not feel. Don't wanna feel hot? I go from air condition into air conditioning don't want rain, I got my, I don't want, don't want mosquitoes, get my off all over me. Don't want, don't want to feel like grief and sadness. So I go to counselor, counseling immediately, because I don't want to go through grief and sadness. I don't want, th- I, I don't want to, I don't want to fear like the uncertainty of what happens. So I got to buy some insurance policies. I don't want th- I'm not saying insurance is bad. I have it. I'm not saying counselors are bad. I've been there, I will go there again. I'm not saying umbrellas are bad, I'm not saying everything. All I'm saying is, I started to realize my life really is about locking out feelings. Locking out sensations. And that's what fear does. It locks things out. Hey, a lot of us in here, um, our moms had a miscarriage before us. And they moved through that and had us. (laughs) They had those feelings, but they stuck with them and went through it. Sometimes we get hurt, we fall, and we won't move any longer. Some of my biggest mistakes come from having the lack of feelings, or too intense feelings, get the most of me. When I was a junior in high school, went to junior prom, and uh, it was not a good decision, what I did, and the whole thing was just, just stupid. I went and, uh, it's not a good prom when you're called out in the middle of the prom because your parents have come up to the parking lot and they found in, in the back of your Chevy Citation, a bottle of Riuniti and a case of Stroh's. That's a not, not a good thing to really kick off the romantic mood, it's your junior prom. Very stupid, should not have done that, very, very bad. And then on top of that, I find out the little hottie that I asked to go out with me, um, actually, she didn't really care about me at all. She had a goal to go. I was like, She had. A, she had a goal to go to the prom all four years in high school. In my school, you could only go to the prom if you were a junior or senior, or you were asked by somebody who's a junior or senior. She was good enough looking. She got asked when she was a freshman. So now I was helping her accomplish her goal by being being asked as a sophomore. I find this out. I'm going. Proms suck. I'm never going to one again. I mean, uh, all this stuff. That, so my senior prom, because I didn't want to feel any of these feelings again, I decided not to go to my senior prom. Uh, I, th- I had all kinds of excuses for it. Well, it cost too much money. I could put that money elsewhere. Well, there's going to be this guy's trip. I'm going to go do this guy's trip. Hey, I didn't go through those feelings. Fear of it happening again kept me from something that could have been really good. Well, all of a sudden here, God wants you to start a business. You're a starter. And you go, oh no, I, I fell once already. I know so many people who've, have great jobs right now start our businesses because they went through the feelings they had before and the fear that was dealing with that. Not only does fear keep us from feeling, fear keeps us from noticing things. A lot of people didn't go to New Orleans because this fear, this fear told them, oh no, no, there's bad stuff that's gonna happen down there and they didn't have the feelings that others do right now. Fear, fear keeps us from moving. It keeps us from feeling, and fear keeps us from moving. It actually keeps us from, from going anywhere. In Nehemiah, actually, let me jump back to uh, chapter 4, verse 7 to 9. Uh, here, here's how they're coping with their fears. When Samballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the people of Ashdod, heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. So all this gossip is happening, all these threats, it's making people afraid. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm very, very scared. And Nehemiah says, I got to cope with this fear. I got to cope, we got to keep moving through it. So he posts guards. Maybe the guards are posted to physically keep harm away. Maybe the guards are posted also so that while the workers are working, they can realize someone's got my back. They have a pointy object right there. That's good. I, I, I will be okay. Fears have to be coped with. They have to be dealt with. Not all of our fears are irrational. But we have to cope with them, feel what we're feeling, and move. What makes fear really bad is when it keeps us from moving. The feelings of fear aren't bad, but what's bad is when we immobilize ourselves, we hunker down, we don't go beyond the wall that needs to be gone through. So in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 9, it says, They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. Fear. Fear keeps us from starting projects. Fear keeps us from thinking that we'll finish the project. Fear immobilizes us. Fear keeps us from, as a personal, personal philosophy in my life, I never want fear to win. I just don't want fear to win. It's like a personal passion of mine. I don't want fear to, one of the reasons um, why I don't mind at all, when people judge me because I ride a motorcycle, is I go, you know what, I'll judge you for being fearful. I don't, I don't like succumbing to fear. We are not, as a nation, we are not the land of the free. We are the land of the fear. Nobody has as much phobias as we have. Nobody has as many insurance policies as we have. Nobody has as much unrational fears. Travel the world, you'll notice, people don't have the things we have, and, and they don't have the fears that we have. We are immobilized with all that could happen or might happen, and we don't move. I don't want fear to win ever in my life. When I came back from a motorcycle trip in which I had a a, a motorcycle accident, I don't want to go into it all again. You can see last week's message online if you want and see crazy pictures. But as I was, uh, as I got back, I knew that as soon as I got over some of my soreness, because I. Felt for about a week like somebody just kicked the crap out of me outside of a bar. Not that's ever happened to me. But (laughs) if it ever would have happened to me, that's about what I... I mean, I was so sore, uh, I had to get my friends to put on my sunblock on my face. I couldn't come up like this, really. I was so stiff and sore. Talk about humility. Have another man rub oil into your face. That's (laughs) For me, that's not a good thing, okay? I just so when i came back as soon as i could grip grip the uh uh the handles although this one was very hard i had to kind of have that kind of holding out over the handlebar because i couldn't tighten this with the scabs i wanted to get on and ride why because i didn't want it to beat me i did not want it to beat me now i also knew after that first ride it wasn't fun at all that first ride was not fun at all i'm riding i'm thinking if i was a deer I would be behind that tree right there. I bet there's a deer, right? But that's where I would be. It was not fun at all. In fact, I got done with my first ride and I thought, you know, I might never do this again because this just wasn't fun at all. There's nothing wrong with not riding a motorcycle. There's nothing wrong with, there's things that if I don't want to do anymore, I'm just not going to do anymore. What is wrong for me is to not try something just because I'm afraid. That will not happen i want to move through because on the other side on the other side of fear is where great stuff is in fact people are afraid because no one is going in that territory and somebody has to go in that territory somebody's got to go there uh when i got the invitation let and i to come to cincinnati with 11 other people and start the church we experienced the physiological condition of having cold feet i literally got cold feet my feet were freezing I literally had the physiological condition of not being able to take a bowel movement for a while. It's called scared something or other. You might have heard of it or experienced it before. I, ex- I experience these things. We literally experience these things. You know, what is it? I've never heard of that before. It's real. Wherever there's something that's going to be of importance, however public or private it is, there's going to be fear. Now, Jesus. At least one time in his life had fear. At least one time. And so I figure if Jesus, the Son of God, who I believe is Son of God, never did anything wrong, if He can have fear, it's okay to have fear. The question is what we do with the fear. He is um, praying. He's uh, hanging out with His best friends, but He's sort of by Himself while they're cloistered over another area of a garden. And he has put two and two together. And he now realizes that he is going to be arrested. He's going to be brutalized. He's going to be killed. It is not going to be a good Friday for him. It is just not. And he starts sweating blood, sweating blood. The Bible says he's sweating blood. Uh, Now, some people believe this is a physiological condition because the capillaries are real close to the skin and in stressful situations, you can actually secrete drops of blood. Other people believe this is just uh, uh, figurative language trying to heighten how freaked out he is. Okay, He he is scared. He is fearful. But what does he do with it? Let's take a look at this, what it says in the book of Luke. It says, Father, he's praying to God, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will... But yours be done. God, I don't want to do this, but if you want it to happen, I will break through. I will go. It's not about me succumbing to my fears. If you want it, I will go. I will make this happen. It's not that he feels afraid, it's that he decides to go forward in his fear. Friends, there are things that you are fearful of, and if you can identify what you're afraid of, that is where the next level is for you. That is where the next level of enjoying life is. That's where the next level of enjoying God is. Don't run away from your fear. Something right around that fear, there's an opportunity that nobody's taking advantage of. There's a, there, there, there's a breakthrough for you there in that place of fear. Now what happens with the nation of Israel is they build this wall for 52 days, and they build the wall. And then the last several chapters of the book of Nehemiah is all about how they respond to this feat. And uh, let's take a look at it in chapter eight. Verse 10 and following. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Have some Kool Aid, spike it even, and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites, that's the professional priests, calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and to drink and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been known to them. And there's times of worship that the nation of Israel has here. What is worship? Worship is whenever you recognize God as God. You could worship if you're in a room like this and you're singing. You could worship if you're in your car on the way to work and you're just including God in that process and thanking God for the job that you have to go to. Worship can happen when you're around a table and you say a prayer of thanks saying, God, I thank you that you gave me enough money to put food on the table. That's a, that's a where Worship is, can be when you go to New Orleans and you go and you work or, you, or you're in kids club and you work in kids club in your physical labor, showing God, I wanna be included in what you're doing. Worship is anytime you engage your heart, your muscles, your mind with God and say, God, this is, this is about you. And why is it that many of us don't worship? I'm not talking about why is it many of us don't sing songs in public. I mean, why is it more of us don't connect with God in a minute in, minute out basis? You know why? It's because of our fears. The greatest moments of worship are always on the other side of the fear they have this great worship time because they said i can't believe we did it we built a wall we didn't get killed no one killed us dead can't believe that we did this you see this in the bible they they cross over a, a river into the promised land they stop say, Oh, worship service we got to worship right now we've never been over that river before Woo-hoo. Uh, the disciples jesus friends they're afraid that they can't feed everybody they don't think they have the ability to do it and they go out and god supernaturally um, multiplies the fish and the loaves. And they have a worship service. They're connected with God and they're worshiping and they're thanking God because they've come through the fear. Fear, fear keeps us from worshiping. When you are afraid, you don't worship. You know, when I sit down and I have a meal or when I am able to take a trip, I have a moment of worship. Why is that? It's because... My fear always tells me, don't be generous. Don't give a set percentage of your income above and beyond, outside. Don't do that. And when I do that and I still have food and I still can have money to take a vacation, it causes me to worship. If you don't break through the fear and become generous, you don't worship God when something comes your way. Because it's not about God, it's about you. Because you manage your money okay. When there is a, when there is a problem with the neighbor and you, you're concerned, should I go over next door and encourage them? I don't know if I should. I'm afraid of what do they think of me if I go over next door? I, I, I don't think I'm a weirdo. But then you actually do. You actually go next door, knock on their door and give them some help. When you come back, you're flying like a kite. You go, oh my goodness, I feel like God just used me. God, thank you so much for helping me get through that fear. If, if you're not breaking through fears, you're not connected with God. Here, listen to me. You're not responsible. You're fearful. You are not, you're not well-planned and reasonable. You're fearful. There's a big, big difference. You can have insurance and all that stuff. That's fine, I have it. But when there's something that you know breaks the heart of God, what gets an emotional reaction out of you, if you can feel it, we have to break through that fear. Every great moment with God comes on the other side of the fear because we see how God showed up and did what He did. And what I'm praying and hoping for, for all of us and for this church, is that we're just more and more accustomed to breaking through fears, breaking through barriers that people think they can't be gone through. When I remember taking my little kids. It's like my, my goal for my kids has been raised raise fearless kids. So sometimes it'll be I'm at a, at a ball game and... They're like four years old and six years old. I remember this, four and six years old. And it was just me and them and uh, Lena and Jake. And I said, um, why don't you guys go and buy me a hot dog? I want you to buy me a hot dog and a Coke? I said, it's right back there. Just go all the way down that aisle, go over there and there's the thing. I said, really, dad? I said, yeah, you can do that. Go ahead, go, go. here's some money, go buy it. Now, Libby hated that. She like killed me when I got home. She found out about that whole thing. But they didn't think they could do it. They didn't think do it. They were afraid of it. Now, if I was in the Bronx, maybe I wouldn't do that, you know, but maybe I wouldn't do it today. I don't know. But back then, it seemed like a good idea. You know, when they came back having conquered those fears, every time you push your kids out with something they think they can't do, and they come, what do they do? They, they walk taller, right? They walk taller. They have more confidence. A lot of us are hurting in confidence. We don't think God's real because our fear is keeping us from going to the place where we're going to meet new levels of God. God, I'm praying that uh, you would help us know your vision. Know your vision and be worshipful. You know, let me stop right now. Hold on. I, I just want to go in a moment. I know it's going to happen. I've been feisty today. So, let to clue you in on something. <laughs> I don't know why I've been feisty. I've been feisty. Like, this is the time, if you've been coming for a while, where we have a nice song and you go out and try to beat the traffic. Don't do that because I'll yell at you. I already did once last night. It was not a, it was not a pretty sight. Um, let me say this, you know, uh, we never have filler here. We want to take you through a 65 minute experience, a journey to get us to a new place. And uh, if I go to yoga class, I don't leave early. If I go down the air and off, I'm not leaving early. If I'm, you know, I, I want to be involved in the whole process. And so if we're in a place where five minutes is so important to us, or 10 minutes is so important, we're thinking about that, we're not thinking about God. So I wanna encourage you right now, there's something that God might want to cement in your mind that's a fear you're to overcome, or it's a vision you're to go after. God, we're praying for that right now in this, this closing moment of worship when we think about you. I want you to be my vision. I want you to be my vision. And I want to see the things that you see. And I don't want fear to keep me from going where you want me to go. God, I want your clarity for every person in this place. Bring to our mind right now, the fear that we've rationalized as reasonable. Bring that to our mind right now. That thing we've been struggling with, God, we want what's on the other side of that. And for that to happen, you have to be our vision.